I want to speak to you this afternoon on where is your treasure. Now, we've read this portion here, but Jesus has just finished giving the parable of a certain rich man who had some misplaced values of his own. Go back to verse 16 of Luke 12. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and will build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for, for, for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. So these two portions are connected together. And Jesus just finishes giving the parable of a certain rich man who had misplaced values and he was not a man who was rich toward God. God demanded his soul back and he went out into eternity as a fool because he squandered the life that he had been granted, the life that God had granted him as if he owned it, as if he controlled it himself. And Jesus exposes the sin and the folly of covetousness. But then he continues on with the very same subject, only adding another dimension to it. Jesus begins to press home upon the hearts of his disciples the needlessness and the vanity of anxiousness over worldly or material things. In other words... Jesus is pressing home the thought that the rich man that he just talked about, who suddenly died a spiritual pauper, it ought to teach us something. It ought to teach us the importance of laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not on earth. And so we're going to walk through this section here. I want you to see some things that Jesus points out and then make an application for us asking this question, where is your treasure? What do you really value? Let's pray and then we'll ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I pray that you give us grace and help as we walk through this passage. And Lord, use it to accomplish the purpose that you have sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to point out to you here is that Jesus gives us the value of life. Jesus gives us the real value of life. Look what he says in verse 22. In verse 22, he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for your body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Jesus gives us the value of life here. He says, take no thought. That phrase, take no thought, essentially means this. Don't be full of anxiousness or worry about the physical, temporal things of life. Don't be full of concern and anxious and worry. You know what? People tend to worry. People tend to worry about all kinds of things. When something occurs in our lives that we can't control, we start to worry about it. Because I don't have the control over it. And we start to worry that if I'm not the one who's controlling it, well, then it's not going to be right or be done the way that it should be done. We worry about things that we can't control. When something appears on the horizon of our lives that looks pretty bad, even though it may or may not happen, 
we worry. Like, for example, you've probably seen President Biden talking about the potential Russian uh, uh, cyber attack that's coming. He said those words. I've seen, I've seen it on social media a couple of different times. And I saw, I think Candace Owens was talking about how uh, these world organizations, they always have a way of warning you or, or telling you that something's coming before it actually comes. Like before COVID, they were doing these demonstrations and how to respond to a world pandemic. And then magically, all of a sudden, a world pandemic happened. And now they're talking about this coming Russian cyber attack. And the president stood in front of the news reporters and said, it's coming. And of course, now, what does everybody do? We start to worry about, and then they go on and show the blackouts across the country and, you know, the medical uh, situation and how bad that's going to be because there won't be power and the food sources that, that are going to be running dry and all the chickens that have been killed and the cows and everything else are trying to control the world's food supply. Ah! We worry. Don't tell, me I'm, don't tell me that some of you right now don't relate to exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I know you. I'm not making light of that. I'm simply pointing out that we see things on the horizon that may or may not happen, and we worry. We worry about big things. We worry about little things. The older we get, it seems like the more we worry the smaller, most insignificant things are things we grab onto to start to worry about. We spend so much time being anxious that we almost seem eager for bad things to happen. And, you know, you can be a conspiracy theorist nowadays and kind of be a prophet, actually, because they all seem to be coming true. But when we worry... Our faith is diminished. Solomon must have been speaking about the uselessness of worry when he wrote these words in Psalm 127. And you can turn there. If you're not there, I'll just read it. But Psalm 127 and verse 1, the Word of God says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city... The watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. And the psalmist says, unless the Lord is the one building in the house, you labor in vain in, in, in your building. And you, you, you stay up late and, and uh, worry about this, and you rise early worrying about that, and, it's, and you eat the bread of sorrows. When you ought to be able to rest in the Lord because the Lord is the one who gives his beloved sleep. He must have been writing or speaking about the uselessness of worry with those words. But the application here is this. Jesus says in our verses here, Jesus says that life is far more important and far greater than just temporal things. Food and clothing are the basics of human survival for sure. But the purpose of your life and the reason of your life and the value of your life is greater than concerning ourselves with just this present life. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. 
It takes the basics of, of survival, sure, but the purpose of your life and the reason of your life is so much bigger than just concerning yourself with the temporal things of life. Your life as a child of God and a servant of Christ is of greater value, much more value to, to him than simply the food and the raiment that's needed to sustain that life. And because of that, Jesus says, don't be anxious, take no thought, don't be full of worry for your life, because he who gives the greater will not fail in the less. He's never going to forsake you or fail you, because there's something so much greater at stake here. And yet, there is so much misplaced priority and misplaced value and investment in this life, which is only temporal. In other words, what I'm saying is people give so much of themselves to making this life enjoyable and investing in the things that are so temporal, and it becomes vanity. And Jesus says, your life is so much bigger and so much greater than those temporal things. The value and the reason and the purpose is the thing that you should focus on. So then we move down in our text of verse 24, and Jesus reveals who is ultimately the provider of things. Who's the one who's really in control? Verse 24, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Here Jesus reveals who ultimately is the provider. You know, people work so hard at trying to keep this life together, and they work so hard at trying to make it, quote, enjoyable, and they spend so much effort into trying to, to bring pleasure so I can be comfortable in this life. And then they actually end up making themselves miserable by their labor and their endless effort. And in the end, they don't really even have that much to show for it. God's not building their life. He's not the one who's building their life. And that is why they labor in vain. And so Jesus says to rest ourselves in God concerning the things of this present life also. Jesus pointed out God's gracious provision to the birds of the air in verses 22 to 24. He says, consider the ravens. They don't sow. They don't reap. They're not out there laboring. They don't have storehouses for their barns. Remember what he just got done talking about? The rich man who said, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns, I'll build greater, and then I'll bestow all my goods. And I have all of this laid up for the rest of my life. And God said, you're a fool. He demanded his soul back, and he was not rich toward God. And Jesus says, consider those birds. They're not out there laboring. 
They're not out there working, building more barns in their storehouses and so on, and God still feeds them. And how much better are you than the birds? He points out that God is the one who provides for the birds. And then he reminds the disciples that they were of more value than those birds. Then he reminded them that they don't actually have control over anything either. Look at verse 25. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Now there's some debate about what that actually means, whether that actually means making yourself taller you know, by taking thought, or whether that means adding more days to your lifespan. There's some debate back and forth, but I don't think it really matters. Whichever way you want to go, you can't control either one anyway. And God says that's something small and something simple and something that is just meaningless, basically, in his economy. And he says, he says if, you, if you can't do the thing which is least... Why do you take thought for the rest? And then in verses 27 and 28, he compares them with the flowers of the field. Those flowers, they're so lovely. And yet those flowers are even more temporal than man is. And if God clothes them and cares for them, how much more will he care for you and me? You know, we get the, oh no! The world's going to end with Joe Biden. The world's going to end with the Russian cyber attack. The world's, it, you know what, it might, it, it really might. But God is the one who cares and provides and ultimately is in control either way. Amen? So he reminds us of the value of life. It's a lot more important than just the temporal things. He reminds us we can't control anything anyway, and he's ultimately the one who provides. And then Jesus goes on even further, and he reveals the heart of this father toward you and me. And he says in verse 29, And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. How many are of a doubtful mind tonight, today, right now? Worried about what's coming. Back and forth. And, you know, I think we should be wise. I don't think we should be extreme preppers like some. We're investing a lot into something temporal. We should certainly be wise. But, but what kind of a doubtful mind is it generating? How many of a doubtful mind right now? Jesus says, Seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you see the value system that's being placed here? The nations of the world are seeking after the temporal things, but you seek the kingdom of God. That's of higher priority. And don't worry because all these other things will be added unto you. Your father, your father knoweth that you have need of these things. Fear not, little flock. Jesus uses some great words here regarding our relationship with God. First of all, Jesus calls us his little flock. By using that term, 
Jesus is picturing the people of God as sheep and he himself as our shepherd. And we don't have the time to go into all the similarities and discuss those things between us as his sheep and him as our shepherd. But we can say a word or two about how good Jesus Christ is to his children. You know what? Sheep are often dumb. Sheep don't possess a good sense of direction. Sheep are utterly defenseless. We are like sheep. And like sheep, we must have a shepherd. But our shepherd is always going to provide. He's always going to lead perfectly because he's the great shepherd. I think of, (laughs) I think social media is funny sometimes because it, sometimes really does relate to life. Like one of my favorite reels or memes or whatever it is. I can't remember if it's a reel or if it's a meme. But you know what I'm talking about. You'll know what I'm talking about. The one where the, one where the, the, the trench is next to the road and the, the sheep is like head first buried down in the trench and just his two back feet are sticking out. And the guy comes along and he grabs the sheep, the sheep by the back two legs and he's tugging and he's pulling and he finally gets him up out of that trench that the sheep is head first in and the sheep's like, I'm free! And he starts taking off running and he bounds and then what do you see him do? Right back into the same trench, head first. I'm like, that's hitting a little too close to home. All the trouble that we get ourselves into during the course of our lives... Imagine how difficult life would be without our shepherd to love us, to have mercy on us, to guide us along. One of the most precious passages in the Bible regarding that is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What an amazing thought that because he's my shepherd, what a blessed truth I shall not want. He cares for me. He provides for me. You could go on in Psalm 23 and you could see how the great shepherd allows his sheep to find rest and find contentment in his provision. He allows his sheep to be uh, refreshed by the things that he provides. He restores them to good health. He sees that they have all that they need in their lives. They're cared for completely because that's the kind of shepherd he is. With his rod and his staff, he fights off the enemies and he helps us when we stray. And therefore, the sheep should have no fear because their shepherd is ever with them on the journey. It's a great passage. It's a blessing to understand that sometimes in my frailty, I'm kind of dumb. And I make mistakes and I get myself into trouble. But it's a blessing for me to understand that my shepherd is right there. And he knows what I need. And so Jesus says, fear not, little flock. That's a great statement. But then he says this. He says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, your father. The use of the word father tells us that we are more than his sheep. 
We're actually his sons. We're actually his sons. You know what? I love my dad. My dad's been with the Lord for eight, nine, eight years, going on nine years now. I think back to when I was a kid that my relationship with my dad wasn't wasn't always the perfect one, but as I got older, and especially after I got saved and the Lord changed my thinking, my dad became my best friend. And you know what? When the, there was never a time, though, when I felt like I wasn't going to be cared for. There was never a time when I felt like, like I was going to be abandoned by my dad. There was never a time. We didn't have a lot of stuff, but you know what? I didn't fear that I wasn't going to get something to eat that day. And ultimately, in the end, I was proud to be the son of my dad. I was proud that he was my dad. Because I love my dad. But how much greater with our heavenly father, who's so much better than an earthly father. And Jesus says it's your father. It's his heart. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to, to work in your life, to bless you. It's interesting to note that the Jews had dozens of names for God. What they needed in their life at any given time usually would dictate the name that they would use to call on God. For example... If they had a need in their life, they would call on Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22 and verse 14, which means the Lord will provide. So they have this need in their life and they call on Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. If they were anxious about something, they would call on Jehovah Shalom, Judges 6, 24. It means the Lord is my peace. I need some peace and I call on the, the giver of peace. If they were lonely or afraid, they might call on Jehovah Shammah, Ezekiel 48, 35, which means the Lord is there. I'm not alone because the Lord is there. If they needed leadership, they would call on Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord, my shepherd. He leads, he guides. If they were sick, they would call on Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer. There are literally dozens and dozens of names for Jehovah God. I think you get the picture of, of what we're talking about. When these people needed to get a hold of God, they referred to him by these various names. And, and what a great truth and what a great blessing. But let me say this to you this afternoon. Those of you who are in Jesus Christ, there's a different name that we can use to speak to God. And it's Abba, Father. It basically translates into Papa, the personal relationship with God the Father, Jehovah God. And it's all consumed in Jesus Christ. And here's the application. What Jesus is saying here is revealing the real love and faithfulness of a father's heart towards his children. Your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. And simply by merit of the fact that he is your father, he's going to provide. He's going to care because he loves you. And so if that's true, why harass your heart with anxious thoughts about these things? 
if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, then you can also confidently say, I shall not want. Amen? I don't know what's coming. I don't know what 2023 is going to bring. They're calling it a cyber pandemic. That's what they're calling it now. Might be true. But the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Amen? Look at verse 34, because here's where Jesus brings it all to the conclusion. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's not so much what that treasure is, but where it is that determines the nature of it. Jesus says it all comes down to this. It comes down to the affections of your heart. And the affections of the heart are shown by what you seek after. There's the point. And let it sink in. We can say all day long, I love Jesus. We can say all day long, I want to serve God with my life. But listen, the affections of your heart are shown by what you seek after. Look at verse 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. Verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 33. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. His point is this. If the basic necessities of this present life are promised by your Father who loves you, then you don't need to worry about them. In fact, it goes beyond just not needing to worry about them. It actually frees us to be able to set our whole heart and our whole affection on things above and gain treasure in heaven that is eternal and not this temporal life. You are free to be able to set your entire affection on things above. And how many of us are divided? And in fact, we're more driven towards providing in this temporal life and on a temporal plane. And we end up laboring in vain. So, what do you seek after? Is it temporal? Is it of this life? Is that what drives you? Is that what you're interested in? Or is it eternal? How are you investing the days that God has granted you? The rich man invested all of his days in the temporal. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build greater and I'm going to be where I can lay up all of my treasure and I'm just going to say to my soul, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said, you're a fool. 
This night thy soul is required of thee. He demanded his soul back. Then whose are these things going to be? What was all that for? Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Rather, seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. If we're working and laboring in vain in this present life, then we're wasting our life. And if we're wasting our life, we may end up like that rich fool who laid up treasure for himself and was not rich toward God. Where's your treasure? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd challenge us with the thought to examine again my life. You've granted me days. What am I living for? What am I really striving for? Is it the silver and gold? Is it the retirement? Is it the setting up of ease for my days? Am I worrying about what my investments are doing in the stock market? Am I worrying too much about the days when I don't have strength or energy to work and labor to make an income? What is it that's consuming me? Am I really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trusting in you to provide for the needs of this body? You're ultimately the one who is the provider, not the things I can do for myself. The value of my life does not consist of temporal things. It's far greater. The purpose of my life is what I ought to be consumed with. I can't add another day to the time of my life. My Heavenly Father loves me. He's going to provide for me. And if I can rest in him, it completely frees me then to be able to devote and dedicate my life to him, to seek the kingdom of God. What a great truth. And one that is very relevant for today. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and even to re-examine and reevaluate where my treasure really is. Use the word to accomplish the purpose that you've sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen.